Hey, podcast world. It has been a while, and I'm sorry for that. Life has changed a little bit for Sheila and me, and when that happens, it seems that everything gets disrupted. We moved our little home on wheels from Nashville, where we have been for the past six months or so, down to Houston, Texas, where we'll spend the winter and do life with Jeremiah and his family. But it is good to be back. Welcome to Deeply Spiritual, but Rather Uncertain. It's been a little over a year since Sheila and I sold pretty much everything we owned and moved across the world for the second time in our lives. The first time we were moving to a place we had never even visited. That move predated the internet, at least for the majority of us, and so we knew very little about the land that we would call home for the next 32 years. But in this recent move, we thought we knew what we were going to. It was the land of our birth, after all. Some of it is exactly as we remembered, but most of it has changed dramatically. Not to mention the radical change that has taken place in us over the years. I've got to admit that these are not easy days to be a Christian here in America. At times I want to completely dissociate myself from the word Christian. Everything is so polarized and so divided. I see people who claim to be Christians on TV proudly supporting Christian nationalism or even worse, white nationalism. I see lines drawn in the church over issues of political affiliation that were never there before. I've seen families that are torn apart over COVID vaccines or their views on abortion or who they voted for or what cable news channel they watch. It's all scary stuff and heartbreaking actually. I've dedicated the majority of my life to the Christian church and its mission, but what is going on? How did the American church get so far off base? And so then I have to ask myself this question. Am I just adding to the division and polarization by speaking out on the LGBTQ plus question? Am I just adding fuel to the fire? Jesus spoke of desiring unity among Christians in a prayer Just before his crucifixion, he prayed that we would be one as he and the Father were one. Is it oneness or unity when we turn our eye to injustice within our own pews? If people are excluded in any way because of their sexual orientation or the color of their skin or their gender, and we just don't talk about it because we don't want to upset anybody, is is that right? Is that what Jesus' prayer is about? There's this amazing passage that comes from the prophet Amos that I've quoted in other episodes, but it's so appropriate in this time and place. Here's what Amos writes as he's speaking for God. I hate, I despise your festivals. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. 
and the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps, but let justice roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. According to Amos, what the people of God were doing in worship was actually despised by God because of injustice. In my opinion, the issue of the treatment of the LGBTQ plus community in our churches is a matter of justice. There are people sitting in our pews and our churches worshiping God just like we do. They love God and they love their neighbor. They're committed followers of Jesus. And yet they don't have the same opportunities in the church that we do because of their orientation. It seems like injustice to me. And so I'm compelled to speak up especially because I see a portion of the church that is doubling down and wanting to be more dogmatic and more oppressive. Is this issue going to divide and polarize us even more? I'm afraid it might, but justice is at stake. So in this episode, I want to talk to church leaders about the role that your church plays in the lives of the LGBTQ plus people in your church. Now, when I say church leaders, I'm not just speaking to pastors or paid staff. I'm speaking to anybody that has a role in the Christian church, no matter if it's paid or volunteer, no matter how big or how small. And I've said before in this series, but it's worth repeating, the church has and is doing serious damage to LGBTQ plus people and especially young people with our attitudes and our actions. We have got to do better. The status quo is just not acceptable. Something has to change. These LGBTQ plus people that I'm talking about are sitting in your pews. You may not know it, but they are there. They might be married to someone of the opposite sex and even have kids, but they're there and they're struggling. They're wondering if God could really love them. They're wondering that if the truth ever came out, would everybody reject them? Would God reject them? They're wondering what they've done wrong for God to have cursed them like this. They are there, I promise you. So where do we begin? First of all, we have to dispense with the judgmental, offensive rhetoric. Jokes about trans men or Adam and Steve have to stop. The other day, a friend of mine who is a pastor posted a meme on Facebook that said, Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed for the very things we are teaching our kids about in schools. I was heartbroken. First of all, that's not what the Bible says. And secondly, I don't know any schools that teach rape or sexual violence. But more importantly, it is just so heartless and so unnecessary. Why do we do that? 
Why do we try to be clever or funny at the expense of people that are marginalized and oppressed? Where does that fit in with love God and love your neighbor as yourself? And worse yet, we make these jokes in the name of Jesus. Stop it! Jesus approached everybody he met with empathy and compassion. The woman at the well, Zacchaeus, the woman caught in adultery, the sick, the religious, the unreligious, compassion and empathy. That is the way of Jesus. Then we have to start having conversations. Now that may seem pretty simplistic, but I'm afraid that we've fallen into a the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it, and so there's nothing to talk about mentality. That thinking seems so arrogant to me because what people like this are saying is that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt what God thinks of all this. And what if what we think God thinks is not what God thinks at all? Are we willing to engage in open, honest conversations? And are we willing to rethink what we have always believed? I think that is called humility. Adam Grant has a wonderful leadership book called Think Again, The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know. He speaks of the fact that humility is the first step in rethinking anything. It's the willingness to admit that I might be wrong. The first step that church leaders and Christians need to take is to have conversations, but those conversations have to be engaged in with great humility. Conversations without humility, without the willingness to admit that I might be wrong, are just debates. And there are lots of debates and arguments that are happening these days. Those are not the conversations that I'm talking about. Then as we begin to have these conversations, we need to address how the LGBTQ plus people that are sitting in our pews might be feeling. How they might hear what we are saying or not saying. The other day I listened to a pastor's sermon that engaged this subject. And in most respects, I thought it was brilliant, even though I don't agree with everything he said. He still believes that any homosexual activity is a sin, which I disagree with. But he begged his very conservative audience to treat people with compassion and empathy. And I thought that was great. But when I was thinking back on it later, he never addressed the LGBTQ plus people sitting in the pews. Have you ever been in a conversation where people speak about you as if you're not there? Kind of awkward, right? Well, that's how it seemed to me, or at least that's how it might have seemed if I were a gay man sitting there. So ask the question, how might the LGBTQ plus people be hearing what we are saying or not saying? Here's an idea. Invite a gay or lesbian or trans person into your conversation and ask them how they feel. Ask them what it's like to be LGBTQ plus in your church. And if they say at times they feel uncomfortable, don't defend yourself or others. 
and then maybe even apologize, even if you're not the one that made them feel uncomfortable, because that's what love does. That's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Or maybe you want to read a book together as a leadership team or a small group or a staff and discuss each chapter and each idea humbly and honestly. On my website, which you can find at skipcollins.com, I've put some resources there that might be of help to you. Or maybe you can invite someone into your group that thinks differently than you do. Maybe it's a pastor that's affirming, but that can speak at the same kind of theological level that you do. Someone that can help you really think your ideas. I think there's a process here. It certainly was my process as I work through these issues. It goes like this, or at least this is my theory. Humility, empathy, acceptance, inclusion. Humility leads to empathy. Empathy leads to acceptance. And acceptance leads to inclusion. Now let me unpack that a bit. Humility leads to empathy. When I'm willing to admit that I might be wrong and engage in honest conversations and have a deeper understanding of the issues, then I come to a place of empathy. In empathy, we're disturbed by the pain that queer people feel. We're disturbed that the suicide rate is so high among LGBTQ plus teens. We're disturbed by the senseless memes and judgmental rhetoric. We want to be part of the solution rather than the problem. Often we begin to find empathy when we hear someone's story or when somebody we know and love comes out. We begin to see things differently. We feel empathetic toward the person we know and then toward all queer people. Then in time, I would suggest that empathy leads to acceptance. I remember when I got to the acceptance stage, my thinking went something like this. I believe that homosexual relationships were not God's original plan, but that grace covers everything. For me, it was the same as divorce. I didn't believe divorce is God's plan, but I do believe that there is grace in every situation, in every broken relationship. So with that belief, I was able to accept queer people as love and accepted by God. Now, if you had asked me as a pastor, would I conduct the marriage of a gay couple? I probably would have said no, but could I attend their wedding? Sure. Could I pray for them and accept them? Absolutely, yes. I believe in grace in every situation. A lot of people I know are at the acceptance stage, which is great. But here's where that starts to get sticky in church world. Let's say a same-sex couple comes to your church. Maybe they're even married. Maybe they even have children. They feel accepted and loved by the community and by the leadership, which is maybe something they've longed for in a church for like a lifetime. 
They love Jesus and they want to serve. So they decide to sign up to be Bible study leaders or Sunday school teachers or to sing on the worship team. So now what? If you say no, suddenly they feel as if all the acceptance that they felt was just a sham. It was conditional love. And more often than not, they will leave your church once again feeling like they've been judged and condemned. Believe me, I know this from experience. That's why I say that as the journey continues, acceptance eventually leads to inclusion. Why would it be so bad to let them lead a small group or to sing on the worship team? Even if you believe that same-sex behavior is wrong, what's the sin line for serving in your church? Or maybe to be less cynical, where does grace come in? How holy or how close to perfect you have to be to serve in your church. I would beg you, Christian leaders, to reconsider that question and begin to move from acceptance to inclusion. Inclusion says that you love people unconditionally. Inclusion says that you trust them to navigate their relationship with God without interference from the church. Inclusion says that we are all imperfect and yet we are all loved unconditionally by the God who created us. Inclusion is what love is all about. Church leaders, I beg you not to hide your head in the sand. I beg you to open yourself up to new ideas, to rethink what you have always believed, and to live with the humility that you just might be wrong. I beg you to do everything you can to see LGBTQ plus people differently and try to understand their pain and their struggle because that's what love does. Have a great week. Shalom.